Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph, and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw that he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come of years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Seas as by dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. Hebrews chapter 11. Welcome to our journey through this amazing book. The first 10 chapters or so declare the glories of our Lord Jesus, how he was greater than angels, greater than men, greater than the priesthood, greater than the temple, greater than the sacrifice, greater than everything. Uh, he is the real and everything before him that pointed to him was the shadow or the reflection or the metaphor or the prophetic picture that he would fulfill. Now there's been a shift in the book, as with most of the letters to churches, and that is human responsibility. So in light of the greatness of Jesus, now how should we live? And we're learning in this chapter we should live by faith, like those who've gone on before us. The chapter begins in verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So hope and faith work hand in hand. Uh, some would say hope is a blueprint for faith. Others would say faith is the basis for hope. I have hope when trouble comes my way because of my faith. For by it, verse 2, or by faith, the elders or the forefathers obtained a good testimony. And he's about to launch into some testimonies of our spiritual forefathers who have good testimonies because of their faith. They weren't perfect, but God brought them through victoriously in their generation through faith. Verse 3 is really what I, where I want to spring from today. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God 
so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject, by faith we understand. Now, I understand verse 3 is pointing specifically to creation, and by faith we understand that everything was created as a result of the Word of God. Who understands that? But you need to know, to live a life of faith is not a life without any understanding. You won't understand everything. We'll understand everything better by and by, like the old hymn says. We can understand a lot. In fact, we're called to be people of understanding. Proverbs has a verse in it that says, In all your gettings, get wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is a principal thing. Get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. We're to pray in the Spirit. We're to pray with understanding. So Christianity, the faith that we live in the new covenant life, is not one without understanding. It's not faith that is blind. It's faith that sees based on the understanding of the revelation that God gives so we walk by faith, not by natural sight. But we're not stumbling around like people who are clueless. Who knows, we're no longer clueless. So there are several things that we understand by faith that we see in the text we heard Mr. Jones read to us earlier. By faith we understand creation. We understand the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen we're not made of things which are visible. Now, a case could be made, this is pointing to atoms as the basis for creation, but even before there were atoms, that if you had a microscope strong enough, they could be visible, right? There was the Word of God. The invisible Word of God made visible in the results of God's voice, the things that come about through His creation. By the Word... Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host, by the breath of his mouth. Now this is a picture, the screen and all the communication between my computer and the screens doesn't do us justice, but there is like a million miles away a new telescope system uh, that has James Webb's name attached to it. And they'll take a picture that might take several hours of exposure. And this is one of the earliest ones. These bright spots are galaxies. Galaxies. That science teaches began with a big bang. I had a teacher tell me once everything was the size of a basketball. And it exploded. So these things are billions of light years apart. So the modern scientific approach is to assume the Big Bang happened at the speed of light, not faster, which would make these things, if that were true, uh, make these things that are billions of light years apart, billions of light years old. See what I mean? But it's assuming that everything began at one spot and not in multiple spots. Everything did begin at one spot. God said, let there be. 
And there was. Boom. We understand that by faith. Well, I prefer the scientific approach. Well, you're not going to approach that without faith also. Faith that the, your highly respected PhD isn't making things up for the sake of a grant. Faith that he knows what he's talking about. Chuck Smith, in his college days, were part of digging up the bones of an ancient civilization. And the professor declared his professional opinion was this skeleton was 10,000 years old. So Chuck asked him, how do you know? And the professor said, well, I must admit, if we don't declare that, we won't get any money. Show me the money. Follow the money. All right, back to the sermon. By faith, we understand the gospel. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten, of whom it is said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So the Lord in his old age, gave him a promise, and then it seemed like it took God way too long to fulfill the promise, and here's this miracle son given to old Abraham and his old wife Sarah. And then when the young man was pretty grown, he was asked to offer up that son as a sacrifice. And Abraham obeyed God. Uh, there's no record that he told Sarah what was going on. She may have caused him some conflict. So they and their traveling party journeyed for three days to a mountain that God told them to, and he told the servants, the party that was with him, wait here, the lad or the young man and I go yonder to worship. And so on their way up that hill, he's carrying the fire, and Isaac is carrying the wood on his back. And Isaac asked the question, Father, here is wood. You have a fire. Where is the sacrifice? He didn't have the inside information in this story. And Abraham declared these words, God will provide himself a sacrifice. So for three days, Abraham believed, took him three days to get to this mountain. For three days, he believed God would provide himself a sacrifice. But also in our text, he concluded that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead. God wouldn't promise him this child and then ask him to sacrifice it, and that'd be the end of the story. In Genesis, this is what it concludes. The Lord's angel points out a substitute. The Lord provided himself a sacrifice that would be offered up in place of his only begotten son. And the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, 
your only son. Can we say only? Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And here's the gospel. In your seed, singular, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you obeyed my voice. Abraham believed the gospel as clearly as someone could believe it centuries before the gospel actually happened. The miraculous birth of his son, he believed in that. The death of his son as a sacrifice, he believed in that. The substitutionary provision of a sacrifice, he believed in that. And the resurrection of his son, he believed in that. You see the gospel in that story? By faith, we understand that because that's a story that changes lives. God deals with our sin in such a way to break our hearts. He didn't just come to give commands. Christ gave about 70 commands that are impossible to begin to fulfill without his help. He didn't just come and tell us how to live. He showed us how to live, lived a perfect life, and then he paid the price for sin, which is ultimately death, the ultimate price. Through the ultimate sin, the greatest sin that was ever committed was a conspiracy carried through to kill the Son of God. The planet should have exploded at that point. God should have said, I'm done. We're starting over. <laughs> Remember that rainbow promise? We're fulfilling it right now. But no, this was all in God's plan, for his son was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And in this story, our hearts are broken because we realize my sin, my rebellion, not only separates me from God, but my life from my forefathers had a part to do in that conspiracy. Jews and Gentiles were part of that. And in so doing, not only are we forgiven, but our lives are transformed, and he creates a want to in our hearts. I want to obey him. I can't in my own strength. But because I want to, he enables me to get up when I fall down, and he enables me to follow him day by day, step by step, one hour at a time. So by faith we understand the gospel, by faith we understand our legacies. It takes faith to understand it. Those little guys sitting around your table, the Lord willing, will live past your lifetime. So by faith you want to influence the generations to come, do you not? That's our legacy. And in the kingdom of God, this is beyond our biological children. This is the next generation. The, the children that went to the conference last week, these are our children. Tell your neighbor they're ours. We have a part to play in seeing them raised up. And so, as our spiritual forefathers exercise faith, so we do. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed Esau of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying 
made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Can we say the future? So by faith, we impact the future. How do we do that? Well, faith, if it comes from God, does not depend upon the length of your physical life to fulfill what it is giving you the faith or the basis to believe for. Because it comes from God. God's eternal word speaks. We hear the word. Saving faith is dawned on our heart. By grace are we saved through faith, Paul wrote. And that faith is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. We're saved by faith. And faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. And faith can be a gift of the Spirit. The ability to believe incredible things in the face of incredible opposition can be the operation of the gift of faith. So faith comes from God. And hearing God is his word that generates faith. So ultimately, faith comes from God, right? God never dies, so the faith he gives doesn't die. So just like our forefathers, think about it. Abraham believed that from him would come a mighty nation that could not be numbered, and he died before it was fulfilled. So did God lie to him? No. On the basis of God's eternal word, he had faith, and it is fulfilled. So in our own life, we are blessed by that, right? We're blessed by the seed of Abraham, right? But we've got to think about our seed, the seed of our generation and generations to come. Should the Lord tarry, what are we doing to impact the next generation? What are we doing for legacy's sake? When we think of legacy, we think of someone dying and leaving a great endowment that will bless generations to come. That is awesome. I'm not throwing rocks at that. But it's so much more than that. That your influence by faith can go into future generations. God sees all. He knows all. He records all. And you, one day in heaven, will have someone coming to you and say, thank you for giving in a missionary offering. Or thank you for witnessing to your neighbor who witness to my dad, or however it worked. Robert Morris tells a story. Robert Morris's father is sitting on the porch listening to the men's conversation through a screen door, and evangelism was happening, and the next generation sitting there got saved hearing the gospel proclaimed through a screen door. So you may be pushing 99 You're not done. You're not done. I'm not telling you what you're supposed to do, the what. I'm just telling you the why. I'm not giving you the how. I'm just telling you, you're not done. You're still here, right? God's word isn't done, right? They say the universe is continuing to expand. Let there be is still happening. By faith, we understand using courage, not just being courageous and, you know, telling yourself, buck up, Billy boy, but actually being courageous in the face of scary circumstances. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents 
because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. The new Pharaoh did not know Joseph and he was threatened that the slaves, the people he had enslaved, were multiplying too fast. They were so blessed. And that one day there would be more of them than there would be of the Egyptians. They would take us over and we would become the land of Israel. We don't want that. So let's kill all the male children. And uh, Moses' parents weren't having it. They risked death themselves, right? If you didn't obey the king's decree, you would be killed, right? They risked it by faith. Doesn't mean they weren't afraid. They just didn't allow fear to have the upper hand. When you're courageous, you may be shaken inside, but you're standing for truth. You're standing for righteousness. You're walking in obedience because you're using the courage the Lord gives just like Moses' parents did. By faith, we understand better values. Boy, talk about a world with confused values, right? Totally confusing. Pushing for one thing heavily and then pushing for another thing that is totally the opposite of it. I'm not going to get into that, but you can... Imagine what we're talking about. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I mean, he was the prince of Egypt. But by faith, he was able to distinguish his mama nursed him as long as she could. I used to live in Africa. They nurse kids while they're walking around and talking and getting ready to go to school. She nursed him as long as she could, and no doubt she became his nanny and influenced him, and he made choices based on the faith his mama imparted to him. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Did Moses suffer? Yeah, but he chose to obey God. He was able to understand what was most important. And he esteemed the reproach of Christ. The Messiah that was to come is what it would mean in his day. Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. He looked to his Lord. How did he do that? How did he have all that understanding? By faith. He believed what God gave him the ability to believe through the word that he knew. By faith, we understand deliverance. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Like his parents, he risked his life by faith because he valued things more highly in God's kingdom, in God's will, than in the Egyptian land of pleasures. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. You can see this in the Torah. God told him that every home should kill a lamb and dip hyssop, make a brush out of a hyssop bush, and dip, blood in, uh, dip in the basin 
and put it on the doorposts of the house. The Hebrew word for basin is also the word for threshold. Unlike other instructions in the Torah for sacrifices that say, now take hyssop, now take a basin, now get running water, and do this sacrifice here, this, that, and the other. No, it just said, kill a lamb and dip hyssop in a basin. So a case could be made from that understanding. They weren't told to go get a basin, that the land was killed in the doorway of every house, the threshold being the basin. So you got blood at four places, the doorpost and the lintel, and the basin where the lamb was killed. And God promised judgment was going to come through the land, but where he saw the blood, he would pass over the door of that house and keep the destroyer out. So when you read that, you almost see God distinguishing himself from the destroyer. And if you've got blood on your door, I'm passing over your door and going to keep evil out. So God's going to come over your doorway or into your house to keep destruction out. What is that? That is the gospel. <laughs> Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, this is written to the church, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and sup with him. And he will keep destruction away from us that is coming to the world. By faith, Israel passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. What are these things? This is deliverance. Deliverance through the plague, deliverance through the Passover, deliverance through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they encircled for seven days. They marched around the walls of that city, and the walls fell down. Um, a case could be made that they didn't fall over that could have fallen on the Israelites, but they fell in like the ground opened up and they just lost their height and they were able to raid in that city. All right, here's my favorite point today. By faith, we understand redemption. What is redemption? Redemption is buying back what was yours. Redemption is taking a gift card and spinning it, you're redeeming that card for, what, for the purpose in which it was given, right? Redemption is taking a bad situation and, and transforming it. This is something the world has no understanding of. Why are they so up in arms wanting the right to kill unborn babies? That has nothing to do with privacy. Telling people about that would be a privacy issue. But killing your child has nothing to do with privacy. That's convoluted thinking. Why are they so desperate to stretch that? I'll tell you why. And this isn't to look down on anyone. And if you're in this room and you're abortion-minded, I am not looking down on you at all. But just hear me out. When people do not have a hope of redemption, they will look for a shortcut, even if it means ending someone's life. When Eric Clapton was conceived, his mother was not wed. Rough childhood, raised by his grandparents. 
Was there redemption in his life? The world's been blessed by his music, right? Like a favorite guitar player. Beethoven, similar circumstances. Handicaps. Let's just get rid of them. But no, redemption came and the world is blessed. So, if you're taking shortcuts, you're missing out on redemption. If you want the world to pay all your debts, you go into college and ran up all your credit card, you want them paid off? Well, what about the next generation? Are we going to rip them off by not paying theirs off? It's the lack of faith in redemption that this huge debt can't be overcome. It's just too hard. Are we such losers that life has to just be made easy for us? What kind of business could be born in your life because of the pressure of a mountain of debt? How many very successful businessmen in the world have a testimony of a terrible financial situation happen in their life? Dave Ramsey's won hundreds of thousands of dollars, I understand. But through it, a ministry was born. It was blessing the world. So God is able to redeem situations. So young people and old people and all people, if you find yourself in a mess, don't look for a shortcut. Look for God's cut. Help! Call on his name. Ask for revelation. Amen? Here's the verse that illustrates redemption. By faith the harlot, can we say prostitute? By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Now she lived in a wicked city and she had a wicked occupation, seducing men for a fee. And yet the Lord used her to house some spies who were spying out the land before they would attack and inflict God's judgment on an evil community. And because of her faith, because of what she did, she did what they told her. Hang a scarlet rope. They didn't say turn the red light on. They said hang a scarlet rope from your window. Her house was in the wall of the city that came down. Hang a scarlet rope, and when we invade, We'll make sure your whole family is spared. Get them all in the house when the invasion happens. So no doubt, in that window, she had the scarlet rope while they're marching around the city for seven days. And the seventh day, seven days, she's probably looking through the window, shaking the scarlet rope, looking for the guys that made her the promise, right? You know who she became? The mother of Obed. A man named Salmon married her. Obed was the father of Boaz, who married Ruth. She was Boaz's grandmother, Ruth's grandmother-in-law. Jesse's great-grandmother, David's great-great-grandmother. In Matthew, she is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, Rahab. By faith, we understand redemption. Are you in a situation that seems irredeemable? 
It's scary. I have been there. I've been in situations where it's like, God, I'm going to have to trust you, but I so wish I was five years into the future. I feel like someone is here is in a miserable marriage, but you're not getting abused and they're not cheating on you. What do you do? Take the easy way out? You've got children. We have a Redeemer. We have a Redeemer. Read the story of Job. Terrible things happened to him, God allowed to happen. Looked like irredeemable situation. Loss of everything he had, including his children and the respect of his wife. And then his friends come and stare at him for days, and then they decide to talk. And they say the most wise, cruelest things you can imagine. And one of them quotes what an evil spirit said to him the night before. It seems as to me that the devil who was prevented from attacking Job anymore was attacking him through his friends. In the middle of that, Job begins to lament, and God gives him a word to put his faith on. But the friend's attack continued to happen, and he let go of the sword that he was given, and uh, the Lord showed up anyway. So here's the lament. My life sucks. <laughs> My breath's so bad, children run from me. My wife can't stand me no more. Oh, I wish I had a pen to write these words where they would never be erased. I know my Redeemer lives. And in my flesh, I shall see God. In other words, friends, you may be saying some things that are true and a lot of things that aren't true, but my Redeemer lives. I don't know how this situation is going to work out. My Redeemer lives. I don't know how my heart's going to get healed. I don't know how my body's going to get better. I don't know how I'm going to get my wife back in line with me. But my Redeemer lives. That's a word for somebody today. Don't allow the relentlessness of the enemy or your enemies or your so-called friends who love to tell you bad things other people are saying about you. That's not, that's not a good function of a friend. Friend... Love hides a multitude of sins. Doesn't mean sweep them under the rug, but it means don't run and tell people every hurtful thing somebody's ever said about them. That's, that's attacking them. Don't be an errand boy. Oh, I could go a lot of places there. But anyway. <laughs> you may not know how the healing's going to come, but your healer lives. You may not know how the provision is going to come, but your provider lives. You may not know how salvation is going to come, but your Savior lives. You may not know how restoration is going to happen, but the restorer lives. You may not know how redemption is going to come, but the Redeemer lives. So our faith isn't in the provision. Our faith isn't in the gift. Our faith isn't in the solution. Our faith is in the solver. Amen? Hallelujah. By faith, she did not perish and became part of the lineage of salvation of the world. We have this through Christ. In 1834, a pastor wrote this song. He entitled it, 
the immutable hope for the sinner. This was the original title, but we know it is on Christ's solid rock I stand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Lord, we come to you at the end of this talk. I pray, Lord, that the word that each person heard for them, that they would not let it go, but it would become a sword that they would fight battles with. Lord, may we understand that faith works beyond even the length of our life. So death is nothing for us to fear. Lord, our life is in you. Our hope is in you. And our faith is in you. Help us to hear your word and to exercise the faith that that word produces. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken, I've never been more glad that I He's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. He won't. I've still got joy in chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense, so I won't be going under. I'm not held by my own strength, cause I built my life on Jesus. And he's never let me down, he's faithful in every
boldness doesn't come from arrogance because you don't know what I've been through. He does. I could tell you behind every testimony is a test. First the test, then the money. Before triumph is the trial, right? Before conquest is the con. Before a message is the mess. You're in a room full of people that have been redeemed. Amen. If you're here today and you could use some prayer related to the message or for something completely different, could you just raise your hand? You could use some prayer. Just hold your hand up. See one hand? Any hands over here? See another hand back there? All right. If you see a hand raised, go to them. Pray redemption prayers as we sing this redemption song. Anybody else? Anybody over here? Let's sing that bridge. Rain came, wind blew. Rain came, wind blew, but my heart. 
house was built on you. I'm safe with you. I'm gonna make it person in this room, but especially for those that are facing what seems an irredeemable situation. Maybe it's a life or death in, uh, situation, maybe it's a, a bankruptcy possibility, maybe it's total failure of a relationship. Lord, we recognize the fact that our life is in you and that you are the solution for everything. Lord, for those that didn't raise their hand that needed to, Lord, may they reach out for help and encouragement when they need it. Not try to do this by themselves. Lord, we thank you that we're never alone, that you're with us, but you also use people, Jesus with skin on, in the real world. So use us, Lord, to bring life to everyone. Lord, I pray that you would bless and keep your people. Cause your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lift up your countenance upon them and give them your peace. In Jesus' name, everybody said, go get them, tigers. Amen. <laughs>